0: Welcome to Who What Wear with Hillary Kerr, your direct line to the designers, stylists, beauty experts, editors, and tastemakers who are shaping the ever-evolving world of fashion. I'm your host, Hilary Kerr, and today I'm speaking with the entrepreneur, influencer, and body acceptance advocate, Katie Storino. Katie empowers women of all sizes to find their confidence and celebrate their style through her regular content series on Instagram, Supersize the Look and Make My Size. She's also the founder of personal care brand Mega Babe that invents genius products like Bust Dust for boob sweat, Thigh Rescue for thigh chafe, and Latouche Butt Mask. She's here to talk about her new book, Body Talk, How to Embrace Your Body and Start Living Your Best Life, which just came out on May 25th, and finding acceptance within the world of fashion. Plus, she convinces me to buy a pair of Crocs. Yep, it's all coming up on Who Wear. You ready to do this, Katie? <laughs> Let's do it. Katie Storino, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. How are you doing? Ah, oh, I'm great. Hello. Okay, so you do quite a lot of things. You are the founder of Mega Babe. You are the host of your own podcast, Boob Sweat, you are a body acceptance advocate. And most recently, you are an author with your new book, Body Talk, which is out on May 25th. I own it. I love it. I have read it. It made me cry. It made me laugh. It made me think. It made me feel feelings. It's phenomenal. So first of all, I want to say congratulations on the book. Thank you. Can you tell our listeners why you decided to write it and why it was important to bring it to life? You know, I actually
1: didn't think that the world needed a book from me. I certainly didn't think that I warranted just like a book about my life or my journey. And I knew that if I was going to do something, I wanted it to be truly for women, benefiting women. And so I decided to make it an interactive workbook. So that's why there's there's homework at the end of the chapters, but it's all about you. So it's not me just like pushing my narrative at you. I think it's much more about self-reflecting and making a choice to change the conversation that you have in your head about your body today. And I think that that's the big thing because I don't want people to feel like you know, waiting on the weight loss or I'll feel different later. I want you to work on accepting exactly who you are today. And if you've got some things that you want to change, do, work out, fine. But knowing that Your self-acceptance is the key to being able to be
0: free from that whole roller coaster. So how long did it take for you to write it? What was the process like? Why is the design so great? The design is, (laughs) (laughs) it's because I'm a big baby. I'm a big toddler. So
1: everything has to be colorful. Everything's animated. It's nothing is too serious or earnest, I hope. I also I looked in the in the space and most of the self-help books in the area of body acceptance they're too they're a little literal and a little I hate to say this, cheesy. And I just I wanted to put something out there that just felt a little bit more, you know, it had a wink and it had some humor and hopefully you will laugh and also make the changes that you want to make. So the process for writing the book took about 6 months. That's fast. Yes. I think we started January, and then COVID hit in March, and I think we turned the book in in June.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, that's really impressive, because it's thoughtful and nuanced, and I also feel like mm-hmm. oftentimes books in this space can also be kind of surface. Yes. B- without giving you any tools. And this yes. feels so much oh, more a program.
1: Yeah, I don't want it to be just my story. And you can be inspired by my story to make changes. I wanted people to take away like step by step tools from the book.
0: Yes. Well, that is very clear. So you have been a body acceptance advocate for years. You have this wildly successful, completely delightful Instagram where you do many things, including raising awareness for size inclusivity, empowering women of all sizes to find their confidence and celebrate their style. But as you talk about in the book, back before your own reckoning with harmful societal norms, negative self-talk, all of that. You were working in fashion and often felt Mm -hmm. like an outsider. Although if anyone has listened to your episode of Second Life, they would know that you worked in PR and were doing phenomenally well, even if you felt that way. So can you talk about the path of getting not only to a healthier mind space yourself, but also becoming an advocate for others? I think once I realized
1: I have a very in-shape group of friends and everyone works very hard in their bodies. They are very body focused. They're on certain diets. They're going to certain gyms. And a lot of them have had children and like still look like they did in high school. And I think the lights kind of came on when I noticed that all these very in shape women were very hard on their bodies. And I was like, well, what chance do I have at ever being satisfied with my body if these women all are like, I hate, I can't wear shorts. I can't do this. And, and giving themselves this negative feedback, I thought, what's the point? What are we here for? And I think that that was one of the moments that I had where I was like, I don't want to live on this merry-go-round. You've seen those memes. It's like, you do not exist to pay bills and lose weight. <laughs> and, I, and I think that that's, that's how oh. I felt. I felt like we couldn't do more and we can do better. And we can get ourselves off of this conversation. And I've gone through all the things. I've done all the delivery diets. I've gone to all the gyms. I got convinced to become macrobiotic on an airplane once on the way home from LA. Like I'm very, very vulnerable to people telling me that like there's some quick way to feel better about your body or yourself or make this change. And once I actually did accept myself, I haven't gone back to that roller coaster like I've freed myself from all of the messages coming at me and all of the things you need to buy and I'm at peace with myself and I get to do things that matter to me versus just sit in a
0: spiral that sounds like a much better place to sit yes (laughs) because who
1: wants to sit in a spiral I mean that's just awful but but that is just unfortunately that's just what women quite often do it feels normal Yes, that is normal. It's normal to get together with your friends and say, hey, do you want to do a cleanse? Hey, do you want to do this? Like, I've got to lose five pounds for a vacation. Like, it just, that is what women do. And I don't know who taught us to do it, but it's up to us to unlearn that behavior because we have more important things to do.
0: Yes, agreed. So regarding that time, you said in the book, and I quote, the more comfortable I got talking about my body shame, the more I started to overcome it. The perfect body, I was starting to learn, wasn't real. It was a societally created illusion. With every post I put up that highlighted my formerly self-perceived flaws, I began to feel my own power rising up from within. It was like heartburn, if heartburn felt good. I just love that. So this brings up another part of the conversation, which is representation. Uh So how do you think about representation today? Like, what does it look like? What does it feel like? And has that changed over the years? Because I think, certainly for me, what I thought it meant 10 years ago, five years ago, and what it feels like today, definitely feels like different and evolving. But I'm curious about your own journey and your own experience.
1: I think we used to have one ideal, and that was a thin white woman, often blonde. And representation for me now means that there's just all different types of bodies, people, color, shapes, included in our everyday media. And there's options. I didn't have any options growing up. Like, I think Sophie Dahl was like, she was like a curvy model. And Kate Dillon. Do you remember Kate Dillon? Yes, I do. I mean, but that's just two. And I think that I actually think Sophie Dahl went on like an a extreme diet and ended up like a size two anyway. So I'm just saying that their, their representation was not there. And now so much has changed in the past, even two, three
0: years, things have really changed. That's the thing that's interesting about social media for me mm-hmm. is like, while it obviously comes with like lots of flaws, lots of, problematic behavior, lots of issues, lots of toxicity, it also has opened up doors. Yes. And I did like a really deep cleanse and rejiggering of my follows not that long ago. And I do that every so often where it's like, what do I want to be looking at? Like, what do Mm -hmm. I want to take in? And I feel like where we are today as a society, obviously, there's still a long way to go. But like, my feed is just all different types of people doing all different kinds of things. Whereas four years ago, it was very same, same. Yes. And it's wonderful. And it makes me feel so inspired. And I know that's just such a tiny, small thing. But even like thinking about who am I following? How does this feed into what I'm consuming? How I feel about myself, what I think is possible, what I think is normal, what I think is standard, just those small tweaks can really radicalize the way that you look at the world.
1: This is part of the book. We do this uh, enough external negative forces and That is one of the things is paying attention to how someone makes you feel on the internet. Sometimes we like following people that are quote unquote body goals or we think that their life is inspirational. But what we don't realize is every time we look at them and get disappointed or feel like we're less than or we can't achieve what they have, it kills our little soul. So I feel like what you're doing is actually quite rare. I feel like most people don't analyze what they're looking at on their phones all day.
0: Well, it's because it was making me feel icks. And who wants yeah. to feel the icks? So you got to change things up. Okay. So the book is full of really relatable and lovely and sad and the whole gamut personal stories. Mm. And I love the fact that, as we talked about earlier, there are lots of action items for yes. the reader. Like, is that the format you always planned on? How did you come up with the format? You know, I Amelia Diamond was
1: my co-writer and she is formerly of Man Repeller and now she's doing all sorts of wonderful things. And she's also one of my best friends. And I was like, I want to write this book that, again, it's very important for people to understand that this is not like my memoir. This really is a book for the people. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And she helped put my ideas into a format that made sense.
0: Well, it worked out beautifully. So if our listeners out there can take away one thing from the book, what would it be? That
1: you have the power to change your mindset about your body today. That's it. We're heading into summer. These are times for big feelings, going to the beach, hopefully like wearing less clothing. And I want you to challenge yourself and all the rules that you made up for yourself and all the things that you think you can and can't do. Wear the sleeveless shirt, wear the two-piece,
0: Wear the thong bikini as you just did? Wear
1: the thong bikini. I had to do it for myself because Camille Kostak, which I've never said out loud. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. But she came out with a swimsuit line and I had to challenge myself into a thong bottom.
0: I loved it. I loved it.
1: And now I'm like, I only want to wear a thong though. It's hard when your dad follows you and I know that that had to hit his feed and then he had to like ignore it and keep moving. You know?
0: That's fair enough. That makes sense. But I loved it. So speaking about your Instagram, can we talk about some of your viral content series, Supersize the Look and Make My Size, which reach millions and millions of people around the world. So obviously, I'm a big fan of both of those series. Can you talk a little bit about how they came to be, how you developed them, what the response has been? Yes.
1: So Supersize the Look, I did because when I first started out on my platform, I realized women were always like, I love this person's style, but I can't pull it off. So it's just me recreating the look. Like most recently I did Haley Bieber in like a pink bra top with like oversized sweatpants. And people just, they look at celebrity looks, they get inspired, but they don't think they can wear it. So I'm hoping that my supersized the looks inspire people to try new things and actually convince themselves that they can wear the things that they think that they can't. Make My Size was started just out of sheer shopping frustration, and that has been – I love Make My Size. It's a real positive call to action to brands, and I most recently did Zimmerman. And I'm not – I don't find this to be a shameful – like a shaming thing for brands because I don't do that. I'm not like boycott this brand. I like to just say, okay, Zimmerman stops at a size 10. This is what your biggest size looks like on my body. I can't get over, over my head. Can you imagine how many other women can't wear your clothes? Like make my size, expand your business. I think that that is one of the most interesting things that I do on the internet. And I find brand reactions to be very, very telling. And I think we've also had a lot of success with brands expanding their sizes like Veronica Beard and Madewell and a lot of people actually stowed. Is that how you say it? Stowed? I always said stod. Yeah, because it's definitely stod. It's not stowed. <laughs> This is where my Wisconsin comes in. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) god damn it.
0: (sighs) But they have been sort of, I haven't seen like any big splashy announcement about it, but they have extended sizing. That's the stuff.
1: Because now I've got a brand in my hands who's just gone ahead. They did it. They expanded the size and they're not going to talk about it. So now it's like my job and other people's job to poke them and say, you did something good tell people. Because I find that sometimes brands do that. ALC did that, actually. They expanded their sizes up to a 24, didn't say a word about it, and now it's gone. And then most recently, I did a campaign called Fat Babes in Luxury. Yes. I I saw that. Yes. With my friend, Nicolette Mason. Yep. Because I find that when they have these campaigns that launch the only people you see in their influencer campaigns or who are invited to watch the show and all this stuff they're all the same body type and big girls love nice things and i think that it's very backwards that the luxury brands are late to recognize this and i'm not even asking you to make clothes
0: i'm just saying hey people spend money with your brand acknowledge them certainly okay so can we can i get the inside scoop on some of the most recent super size the look outfits Because I'm curious about like the creative process, how it all comes together. So can we talk about the neon bodycon dress that was inspired by all the pretty birds? Yes. I loved that. I think, well, first of all, I love her
1: style, Temu. Yep. And I also think that bodycon knits are something that women definitely think that they can't wear if they're not a very small size. Especially in neon. Oh, in neon. Exactly. That is, hello, I've arrived. (laughs) I'm wearing this dress. So I'm hoping that I inspired some people to get into that trend because apparently neon knits are happening right now. Yeah. Yes. I I didn't even know that we had trends again, but they (laughs) are happening. happening, Right? (laughs) So that I loved. And I love that I had the exact same dress that she had on, which means a lot because I can rarely do that.
0: So tell me about the Princess Diana look.
1: (gasps) I love doing Princess Diana for Super Size the Look. And I think that she, she has such incredible style. But the white bike shorts were really something that I got to
0: challenge people on. So how do you figure – like how do you pick the picture? How do you pick the outfit? How do you put it together? Is it like, oh, I have the perfect sweatshirt. I just have to get a pair of bike shorts or like a neon dress will arrive and you're like, hey, you know this reminds me of no, this other no. post. It's
1: very reverse engineered. I'm constantly looking for images, whether celebrities are posing them themselves on their Instagram. I have a couple people, Chrissy Teigen, Reese Witherspoon, a couple people that I follow pretty regularly and I'm like, oh, that would be good. And and then we shop for like looks that are similar. And I would say we have to drop like 30% of the looks we try to do because we can't find anything in my size that looks like it, Ugh. which is interesting. And I would say only about 10% of the time, maybe 5% of the time, I'm actually in the same exact piece of clothing that the celebrity's in.
0: Well, I feel like that works for you with Draper James when you do these stories. Yeah. Yeah. Yes,
1: Good for her because she gets a lot of free publicity because she's made my size. Yep. See, designers, you just if you build it, they will
0: come. Um, tell me about the J Lo look with the graphic tee and the white. Were they shorts or pants? They were pants. J Lo, um, that was
1: tough because I don't know if you've ever attempted to like go side by side with J Lo's abs, but I did it. I did a crop top. I did the low jeans, and she also just has that face. She's J-Lo. Yeah, she's J-Lo. And I love her Benefer moment right now. I know this is not a celebrity podcast, but I'm just telling you. I I mean, I think we're
0: all dying. Like anyone who remembers the original Benefer. Yes.
1: I know it. But that was tough. And when I say tough, I don't actually mean that like I can't emotionally do the shoot. I just mean sometimes I have to giggle and say, This is honestly one of the most beautiful women in the world with one of the most in-shape physiques on the planet. And the fact that I can actually put myself next to her without any emotional damage
0: is pretty good. That is impressive all around. I agree. Okay. So I also want to talk about Mega Babe. Great. Which you know I love. So the products are all amazing. You have been such a thought leader in categories. So I'm hoping, obviously, again, I'm going to throw this back to Second Life. Please go and listen to Katie's full Megababe story. Um, but tell our audience a little bit about why you started Megababe. I started Megababe
1: with the idea that I wanted to make an anti-chafe stick. And it really came – same thing with, like, you know, the – make my size stuff. It really comes out of a frustration and a need that wasn't being met. And after one hot summer here in New York, I was like, I've got to find something better than what I'm using. This like men's garbage stick. (laughs) And I really couldn't. (laughs) And I was so surprised. And the fact that me, someone with no beauty experience and someone without any product experience, just like just Katie Strino in her apartment had to come up with a beauty line And it wasn't a big giant corporation that did it. It was me. That means that like truly that I'm not in the conversation in these rooms. Like they're not thinking that chafe is a problem when they're making their product lines. So we decided that Mega Babe is the brand that is going to provide real solutions for real problems. We want everything to be cute and celebratory and fun and our packaging is bright and everything is clean and so you can we're a trustworthy brand but I really just I only want to solve problems for women and we do make deodorant and deodorant is like you're like okay what's the problem there well the problem was I couldn't find a deodorant that worked for me or my sister and so we did make our own deodorant and we just actually launched two new SKUs The Green Deo, which has chlorophyll in it, which two years ago when I was like, I want to make a deodorant with chlorophyll in it and I want it to be green, my sister like told me to STFU (laughs) and was like, can you just make something normal? And I was like, no, Mm -mm. this is, no one's using chlorophyll and chlorophyll is something that stops body odor. And like, this is really cool. Like, why isn't anyone doing this? So we launched that and that's a totally different formula than our other Deodorants, because what we're finding is that actually everyone's armpits are so different and you certainly do not need aluminum or antiperspirant not to smell. You just need to find the right formula for you. So we really are rolling out like different formulas for different armpits.
0: I think that's such an important part because I think a lot of people who are interested in going for a natural or clean deodorant are frustrated Uh, you hear it all the time where people like I had to try 47 different ones to find something that worked and it's like you're actually normalizing that process to say like they're not all the same like everyone's pits are different.
1: Totally. And that's why we made this deodorant. That's why we made any deodorant because we couldn't find one that worked for us. Man, normalizing another process. Thank you for pointing that out. That is great. And I'll put it in my notebook.
0: Put it in your notebook. So what are your three favorite products that you use on a daily or weekly basis and what do they do? so the thigh rescue that's my
1: desert island product whenever I do media stuff they're like what's like your desert island product and it can't be something you make and I'm like well it is something you make yeah I'm
0: I'm asking for something you make (laughs) can't walk
1: around without it so thigh rescue is my number one I would say that the green do obviously I'm obsessed with it and then a sleeper product that we make is Latouche.
0: Yes. It's our butt mask.
1: Yes. And it's it's a facial grade butt mask and it's got a ton of acids in it and it really is like a real resurfacer. Helps with KP. I put it on my face, I put it on my chest, I put it all over and it really works. So those are my top 3 mega babe products that I'm obsessed with
0: today. So today. what product are you most proud of creating?
1: Thigh Rescue, because I think Thigh Rescue is something that I get messages still every day from women telling me that it's changed their life, which sounds dramatic. But being able to wear a dress or feel like you're part of the human race because you can wear summer clothes and not have to wear jeans in July, I think that that really makes you feel good.
0: Yeah, very much so. It says I belong. And frees you from the tyranny of shapewear if you don't want to wear it. Shapewear can be great. I'm not anti-Spanx.
1: I get it. But like I'm, you know what? I'm not a shapewear girl. And like I remember I actually did a big national morning show two years ago. And I remember it was the first time I didn't wear Spanx under my dress to be on like national TV. And I was like, yeah, this sounds right. Yes.
0: Yes. So let's talk about fashion for a minute. So I I very, very much enjoy your personal style. It sparks great joy for me. I'm hoping that you can tell me about some of the brands that you're really loving right now, key pieces that you're obsessed with. So I think Tanya Taylor makes summer clothes like just so colorful, so
1: bright, so fun, size inclusive. I love Olivia Rubin. She's a smaller brand, but she's size inclusive and made that really cool neon dress that I wore with Temu. Um, J. Crew, Yes. J. Crew is really good right now. Their sizing is great. They go up to a 3X. And I've been wearing their matching rash guard with like a matching suit underneath a lot in Palm Beach. And I feel like I also just wore like this like white sweatsuit they
0: made that's made out of recycled materials. I'm really liking J.Crew right now. I love this. Yeah. So we've talked about trends, the neon trend, for example. Yes. Are there any other trends that you're really excited about now in this spring-summer moment?
1: Well, I am thrilled to say that Crocs seem to be here again I think it started as a joke in the beginning of the pandemic and now they're here. Like I was at the airport and like I would say maybe like 50 people had Crocs on and I was thrilled with that result.
0: Were they like the fashion Crocs that are yes. personalized
1: and bedazzled or are yes. they like? Yeah. They had gibbets in them because I know what those are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gibbets. Okay. Yep. You're <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> no, do you have? Do you own Crocs? No. Is it like a thing that you're like you won't get them?
0: I'm not really into wearing shoes at all right now if i'm totally honest like i just haven't really like crossed back into footwear because i'll be honest i'm still very much at home and and i have not truly committed to what my outdoor style is you sound ripe for a pair of crocs (laughs) You do.
1: You sound like like a bright yellow pair of Crocs with, like, a couple charms on them is in your future. Okay. Yeah. No, I know. I know what you're feeling. I know what you're feeling. But I'm just telling you that you're not going to regret it. Why? Because they're so comfortable. They're really fun.
0: Okay. I like fun.
1: Yeah. And they're just easy. Like, when you have to, like, run to the front lawn or the backyard or whatever, like. Uh Uh-huh. That's it.
0: I don't know. Okay. They make you smile. They're so stupid. I'm gonna make you do it, Katie. I'm like such like a heel. I barely own sneakers. I didn't have flats before the pandemic, but I'm I'm open. If all of us has taught us something, it's yeah. it's to embrace them. I'm wearing I'm wearing soft pants right now, and that's a real <laughs> leap for me. So
1: <laughs> you're right. I know, but I do think you will enjoy. Just one opportunity, even okay. just for the summer.
0: So Crocs, the trend. What else? Yeah. Anything else that you're liking right now? Hair bows. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I'm glad hair bows are here. And I wore one on top of my head to dinner on Saturday night. I, d- I tried to do that Jennifer Aniston cover for, of Elle from like three years ago. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I I, I do. tried to do that hair.
0: That's good hair. Yeah.
1: I don't know if I did it, but.
0: You went for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh katie i could talk to you forever but i have promised to let you go so thank you so much for i'm like (laughs) hugging you from afar tell people when they can get the book where they can get the book may 25th they can
1: get it everywhere and anywhere that books are sold target amazon barnes and noble
0: indie bookstores
1: indie bookstores i've got a whole list on my instagram about it
0: I am really, really glad that this book exists. And, you know, any excuse to see your beautiful face is just one that I will take. So please do more things (sighs) so you can keep coming back on all of my various podcasts. I will. I love you. And I can't wait to see you in Croc. I love you, too. And I will take a picture. You'll be the first person I send them to. (laughs) And then you'll you'll be like, don't show anyone. (laughs) No, no. I feel like it's a dare now. Like, is is this a dare? dare? Yes. Did you just dare me? It starts (gasps) as a joke. Okay, I think Katie Storino just dared me to buy Crocs. So yeah. Okay. It's happening. (laughs) Katie, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. (laughs) Thank you so much to my guest today, Katie Storino. Make sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, I'd also be so grateful if you'd rate and review us. If you have any guest suggestions or any other feedback, drop us a line at podcast at com, or you can find us on social at Who Wear. See you next Wednesday on Who What Wear with Hillary Kerr. This episode was produced by Hilary Kerr and Olivia Capoletti. Editing is by Natalie Thurman and Treehouse Recording in Los Angeles, California. Our music is by Jonathan Leahy.